1: Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover Two podcast. Uh, we are your All Star NBA All Star Game reporters, Joel a. Erickson and Nate Atkins. Uh, that's that's actually we're just we're pretty much just helping out uh, uh, our, our Pacers writers, but um, but yes, yeah, so awesome we will be covering be the All Star preview. Yeah, this the, <laughs> we can make this it we can make this into an NBA All Star preview, or, or maybe next week's will be a recap since we'll have actually covered the game. Uh, probably just honestly just kind of a fun thing for both of us um i i uh, nate is a big nba fan Uh, i think probably a bigger nba fan than me i watch a lot of of nba basketball though um and and i i don't know about you nate but as a like there's like a 12 year old version of me that's really really geeked up about me being in an all-star game
0: oh yeah no it's it's awesome for indy obviously just the state the, the, the the what I'm going to do a lot this weekend is just kind of absorb how much the state loves basketball. That's kind of hit me like a tidal wave since I moved here and I've gotten more into the NBA as a result of that. But yeah, it's a, it's going to be fun to see like a local star in the game, obviously Tyrese Halliburton, but also like you said, for like the 12 year old version of us, even some players, obviously most of the players are younger, but even, even a couple guys I've always loved watching just growing up a little bit like Steph Curry and Dave Willard. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be cool to see them up close and, and talk to some of them too because we'll be out at the practice. And um, these, these events are pretty light and pretty fun that way. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, how about this? We'll go with uh, who is your who is your favorite player? We'll, we'll have to go retired. We'll go retired send some of these guys from the game. Who is your favorite player growing up that's now no longer in the NBA?
0: Hmm. Uh, no longer in the NBA? Probably Shaq. Like Shaq was just – the Shaq-Kobe years were kind of like – I was probably like 10 years old. That was kind of like when I started really getting into the game and they were just – and then see him go to Miami and do it with Dwayne Wade like in just an all-time character too. So I feel like Shaq sort of also is – for those who are like big into like the the different video games and such, Shaq was like the guy you wanted to play with. So I'd have to go with him. And then my favorite actual all-time player is playing in this game, and I didn't even mention him yet uh that'd be lebron so uh we don't know how many more all-star games lebron will be around for but it'll be fun to see him up close and doing his thing once more still dominating at like 38 years old uh my my guy when i was a
1: kid the nba was was my favorite league when i was probably oh i don't know like five to 14 or 15 ish um and my guy was David Robinson, so that's that's the guy that like. Um, there, there's another indie media member. Shout out to Brett Bensley, uh, who works for Fox 59, uh, who's another who's a who's a big David Robinson fan. But um, yeah, that that was my guy. That's he would still be on the list of like he'd be on the short list of athletes that it's a little weird once you start covering sports. Um, you don't mm-hmm. really get, you don't really look at those guys the same way. I think, but guys who were great when I was a kid. Um, and that were never, that weren't still playing. That were gone by the time that I started doing this job. They they kind of, you know, have a different place. And and David Robinson was my guy. But you guys don't come to this podcast to listen about the All Star Game. Um, the the Kansas City Chiefs have won their third Super Bowl. We're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of ping pong back and forth here, and just talk about some of our takeaways from the playoffs. Um, we're gonna try we're gonna try our best to avoid the really obvious ones. Like uh it's good to have the best quarterback in the NFL is pretty obvious. <laughs> it's bold is true. Um also also I I'm gonna touch back on this one, I think. So um this this might be me lying a little bit, but like it's good to be able to rush the quarterback is probably also, you know, something that's that's a little bit obvious. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna do our best here to uh to, to give you some some Thoughts that we had surrounding the Colts, uh, and and just the NFL in general from, from the playoffs. Nate, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start off with this. What 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 was one of the thoughts you had while watching the playoffs? Just just a takeaway from the playoffs. Uh,
0: well, yeah, it's uh, trying to be nuanced enough to to not make this so boilerplate. But I feel like the place you have to start at least, kind of where the Colts are in the AFC, is with Patrick Mahomes and the bar that he's created at the quarterback position. Uh, it's like one of those years where we were – I remember we had conversations in the media room late in the year, like right around when the Chiefs lost to the Raiders on Christmas, and it was like, how is this team going to be a contender with what they had at wide receiver with just how they weren't running the ball, and it was like, how, how can one quarterback drag them there? But really it was a quarterback, a play caller, a tight end who got healthy. That combination in the passing game and their ability to figure it out and, and stay patient stay – as confident as ever because they've been there and done that ended up being everything. And so I guess my takeaway here is to expand on that is just that uh, you need an alien to even have a chance in the AFC. And so I expand this beyond just Mahomes to the final four teams that made it in the AFC. So all the ones who made it the, the divisional round and on uh, the quarterbacks for Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, CJ Stroud and Josh Allen. And CJ Stroud just, you know, is the is the low man on that list. And that was the one game that was a blowout when the Ravens blew out the Texans. But by being the low man on the on the list, he was still the number two pick in the draft, who had one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen, lit up the Browns defense in, in the wild card game to get there. And those three quarterbacks were not Mahomes. Jackson, Stroud, and Allen combined for 99 touchdowns this year. And those guys were not good enough to make it through the AFC, but they were good enough to get that far and in in the in the case of Lamar and, and Josh Allen they were in the game against Mahomes and that's that's sort of the story it's it's hard to get over that 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 top that mountaintop with Mahomes. The only quarterbacks who've ever beaten him in the playoffs are uh Tom Brady and I'm forgetting somebody else. Is it just Tom Brady? Uh Joe Burrow. Oh, Joe, Burrow. Joe Burrow beat him once. So it shows you something too um, so th- the point is like you just the the model that the 49ers took to get as far as they they did, they also obviously they, they took the Chiefs to overtime, so they had a chance to beat them too. But the road to getting that far to playing him in that final game is diff- is a totally different calculus in the NFC, where the final two quarterbacks in that league were Brock Purdy and and Jared Goff, who had really good seasons, but one of those was Mr. Relevant, the last week of the draft, and the other one, uh, was the number one pick but got shipped out of los angeles and, and both guys can play very very well but you i mean you really do have to build a, a really good team around them and you can't you know you put too much on them and eventually it's going to be a little bit too much the lions found that out on uh on a couple of fourth down plays um and and really brock Purdy just didn't quite um he didn't lose the game in the in the super bowl but he didn't he didn't make those same changing plays when the 49ers had those opportunities. And so the NFC, you can kind of take this route of building this complete team all around the quarterback and get pretty good play out of it, but not electric play. That, that is not working in the AFC and the teams that have done that recent years, like the Browns had a team like that, but it caught up to them. Uh, You know, there's, there's other teams that just, it doesn't, that was the model that the Colts had until this year, uh, when they tried the veteran route and just kind of build a, a, a team around him. Right now their their model has to be get uh, get Anthony Richardson to that ceiling as quickly as possible, as as high of a ceiling as possible. That's why I think, I think what we saw in the playoffs justified the swing they took at number four. Even if you race what, what Anthony showed us this year, which installs some faith, just the idea that like go big or go home at that position because right now – it's just hard to see other quarterbacks having much of a chance in the AFC. You have to go back several years to maybe, you know, several, several years before, really before Mahomes even got in the league six years ago to find a team that had a legit, legit chance to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC that didn't have one of those aliens.
1: Yeah. Uh, to your point. Um, I, I, I called all these up. So uh just to just to underscore what Nate is saying here, uh, in in 2020, the 2022 season, which is last year, I'm I'm gonna use the year that the season is. I, I don't like having to try to make the adjustment with the playoffs. But so the year prior, the final four teams in the AFC, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Trevor Lawrence. The year before that, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> the year before that, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, uh, and the year before that, the, the final four in the AFC were were uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, pre everything going terrible, going crazy, Deshaun Watson, probably his best season, and Ryan Tannehill, um, and then. In the eighteen nineteen, there in the eighteen season, uh, the final four quarterbacks were Mahomes, Brady, Rivers, and Andrew Luck. So, just just getting to the final four in the AFC, like you're talking, Tannehill, Mayfield, and Lawrence are the ones that haven't fully. Like become top five quarterbacks, you know, basically at that point. I mean River that last eighteen season, he's probably not the same the same level, but it's still you know an, an all-timer of a quarterback it, your point is made pretty well there in the Mahomes era, if you don't if you do not have a guy at quarterback, it's really, really hard to get to the final four and even harder to get to the to the final two because I think the only one in there I could be wrong, I think the only one in there is the Titans getting to the AFC Championship game.
0: Yeah. Um, so they got blown out.
1: Yes. Um so so that's 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 the overwhelming I think the entire NFL is sort of reckon, uh, reckoning with um you you're in one of these spots here where Mahomes looks like he's the type of player and you never know because Tom Brady got to 3 Super Bowls and then um, there was a drought for a while. People sort of forget that, but there was a drought in terms of in terms of rings. They they lost a couple in there to the Giants. Um, so you never know if the Chiefs could, could fall off. But it when when you have great players like Mahomes is a great player, you start thinking about like you know the Jordan eras, the Brady eras, the 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 how much did the, does this one player erase um, the the championship chances of truly great players uh, at his position elsewhere. And that's that's kind of where Mahomes is now. I think that's I think that's a pretty fair one.
0: And the interesting thing too is, of all those names you mentioned, I think Tom Brady's the only one who is not a top ten pick. Because even Ryan Tannehill was a top ten pick, Sean Watson was top ten, uh, Trevor Lawrence, several number ones in there. So. Yeah, it's just a totally different calculus than the the Brock Purdy model, which is already like an anomaly. That's probably not the way to try to build anyway. But at least in the NFC, you could talk yourself into, you know, the Vikings bringing back Kirk Cousins, or you know, or or the Lions building around Jared Goff, which I assume they're going to do. Just a different different world. And then those teams have to kind of re, they, they have to kind of meet that reality in the Super Bowl. And that's the 49ers. to think of all that they've done over the past five years everything Kyle Shanahan has built in that offense, the superstar players they've gotten uh, and they don't have a ring to show for it because twice they've gone up against the homes and both times they had a double digit lead and both times it's the same story as that guy's got more in his chamber than you do. Uh, you know, but yeah, in the AFC to even to even kind of be in those games to have that kind of regret, you got to have one of those, those high level quarterbacks, high ceiling quarterbacks and, I do think the Colts have that. Whether they bring that out you know, is, is everything we're going to cover and discuss from here on out. But uh, some of those plays, I think you just go back to the Rams game that, that Anthony Richardson was able to make, uh, standing tall in the pocket, uh, throwing down the sideline, scrambling out of pressure, throwing on the run. Like That's the kind of stuff that – those are just flashes, but that's the kind of stuff that uh, Josh Allen does to, to have a chance against Patrick Mahomes, that um, some of the aggressive, aggressiveness – in accuracy down the field that joe burrow does uh, and one time beat mahomes so um they, they've got at least the, the lottery ticket so we got to see if they build everything else up
1: okay that's going to bring me to my first one um this is going to go to the defensive side of the ball this is what i was kind of hinting at earlier um there's there's different ways to get coverage done in the nfl um you know and i think people talk about the way people talk about defensive football, it's it often it's often coverage first. I think it's probably pressure first. And I thought the Super Bowl was a good example of this. You know, the Chiefs have two very, very, very good corners. McDuffie and Snead are very, very good. It allows Spagnuolo to blitz a lot, um, especially on third downs. It allows him to be creative. You can get the job done that way. But for a significant portion of that game. Um, even even into the even deep into the second half, I found myself thinking, you know, the Niners don't really have those types of corners. And they made life pretty hard on the Chiefs offense. Now, granted, that the Chiefs offense doesn't have you know a, a truly elite receiver. They have Kelsey now um, at tight end. And you know, you know, physically, I think mentally he's still incredible, but but physically he's maybe not quite the same player he was five years ago. But the flip side of that is like they they got themselves in winning position deep into the game essentially by playing a shell. I mean, the, uh, the Niners, I think if you look at if well, the Niners have some have some cap issues that could maybe um, change this picture going forward. But I think a lot of people keep talking about their corners as being, you know, maybe a place that they need to upgrade going into the offseason. They they still got it done in the Super Bowl. They still got themselves to the Super Bowl with it. That's that's been a pretty good defense. Was it the same defense this year? Maybe not quite, but the, you can. There's there's different ways to make the quarterback hold the football or to to get in the quarterback's face from a coverage standpoint. You just you just have to be able to and but you have to be able to switch them. And you know sometimes sometimes like if you're in the game against Patrick Mahomes, I I thought one of the things that that. Uh, was was bad was when steve wilkes started blitzing late in the game um because you know you can't blitz that guy uh and the, the chiefs made some big plays there so it's not always the answer can't always be blitzing it it has to be pressure first um and and then behind that you make your decisions based on your personnel i think coverage wise if, if you've got the corners to blitz go for it ravens you know browns uh the Chiefs, like if you've got the corners to, to to really bring a lot of pressure, that that's fine, but you can also get it done by by playing back.
0: Yeah, 49ers are an interesting test of this because they really have gone bargain bin at a lot of the secondary positions. I mean, you've got guys like Hafanga and Lenore were like almost day three picks, I think fifth, sixth round guys. Logan Ryan was on his couch, and they just pulled him off and, and asked him to come play. In the playoffs and it shows you obviously the, the obvious takeaway there is that they don't have to cover as long when they when they're playing with Nick Bosa on top of Eric Armstead uh, but also I think coverage does come in different forms because their best cover player for what he's asked to do is honestly Fred Warner and I thought he was an absolute superstar in that game uh, big reason why Travis Kelsey had one yard in the first half Uh, you know, he ended up being their leading receiver and really made up for it on one gorgeous uh, move that he did get Warner on late in the game. And that's kind of what Kelsey ends up doing to you. But the only reason they had a chance to play that way was they didn't have to devote all the resources to Travis Kelsey because they have a Fred Warner. And it does change the math a little bit. So um, that one one is interesting. And like the, uh, I think to expand on that a little bit, the Chiefs sort of showed that like, Sometime like in general, you have to buy these traits at expensive values, but sometimes guys come a little bit out of nowhere. And like Legarius Sneed was one of the best corners in all of football and was absolutely incredible in that game, locking up uh Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and, and he's an inside outside guy that now I think they it's there's people talking about how they might let Chris Jones go in order to keep him. That's how well he played this year, and you wouldn't have said that coming into the year. So uh, I do think like pass rushers are a little harder to get those star star players that are not the high picks. Uh, but there is, there's a little bit more wiggle room I think uh, with the defensive backs.
1: Um, What else, what else did you stuck out to you from, from these playoffs? Uh,
0: so just to build on that, uh, you know, this is kind of obvious, but I think you need at least one game wrecking pass rusher. So obviously we know pass rush, uh, is obviously very, very important. The, the route the Colts have taken has mostly been – and other teams have taken is kind of get that eight-man group, get like a bunch of different guys coming after the quarterback. What mostly played out in the playoffs this year is that the teams that are spearheaded by one guy kind of being that game wrecker are the ones that went furthest and the ones that I think have the best chance of throwing uh, the, these elite uh, play callers and quarterbacks off the rhythm. So you look at the final four teams – Aiden Hutchinson, Chris Jones, Nick Bosa, Justin Matabuke, were the top pass rushers on the Lions, Chiefs, 49ers, and Ravens. All those guys had double-digit sacks. All those guys had five-plus pressure games in the playoffs by themselves. And that's even understanding that like these teams know these guys really well. They're going to devote resources. They're going to try and play around them, and it didn't ultimately matter. And it it says something about the depth around them to – Um, to let them occasionally have a one-on-one matchup. But really, these guys just took over at times. We saw – I thought if the 49ers, if they were going to win that game, I thought Nick Bosa was the best player on the field up until, you know, when Mahomes took over toward the end. I mean, the way he was able to rush but also play discipline and keep contain on Mahomes was magnificent. And then what ended up turning is, uh, you know, in overtime, Chris Jones just driving guards into the lap of Brock Purdy who – Purdy's made a lot of things happen, but he's not the best at kind of standing tall. He's He's got some, uh, some you know, he's not the tallest quarterback, so he isn't able to win from the pocket as well that way. And that's sort of like that that quick instant pressure can just kill the best play design. And on that play, Kyle Shanahan got guys wide open in the end zone. The 49ers could have gone up a touchdown in overtime, and one guy erased that from happening. And so for the Colts, for the most part, we've talked about them as being sort of a, uh, you know, more of this, Certainly on the edge, they go for like spreading out the resources. And I think there's room for them to uh, get more juice on the edge. But I do think they have that guy in DeForest Buckner because we saw him on this stage in the Super Bowl do some of the same things that uh, Chris Jones just did in in the one that was played on Sunday. Like when the 49ers were up 10 on the Chiefs back in 2019, the 2019 season in the Super Bowl. You know, DeForest Buckner might have been the Super Bowl MVP if they had been able to close that game out, uh, which obviously they didn't. But he's, you know, the one interesting thing, like, he does not have quite the same high end sack totals as these other guys. Uh, even, even interior players like Matabuke and Chris Jones have gotten double digits. DeForest is, though, is so consistent where he's hit seven sacks every year for six straight years. And only Chris Jones and Miles Garrett have done that in the NFL. And I do think there's a little more to unpack with Buckner especially in those moments, those, those, you know, gotta have it third and eight drop back situations. Uh, there's, there's still a little bit more to unpack. I think if the Colts get just a little bit better on the edge, then they've been a little, a little bit more juice, a little bit, you know, pay off to anything that can make a quarterback step up into where DeForest Buckner's driving back to. I think he can be that kind of guy that can uh, can wreck the game in the playoffs like this. And that's why, you know, I did it. I did a, off-season plan or sort of a mock off-season this week. And one of my ideas was that they should extend Buckner. I had them extending him by, uh, by I think, three years, which is just one under what uh, what uh, Javon Hargrave just got from the 49ers. And, you know, I think, I think Buckner needs to be here for the rest of Anthony Richardson's rookie contract. They can afford to have him here. And ultimately, if they really want to pack in, tap into that ceiling in the playoffs, if they can become that kind of team – they're gonna need a superstar a, dr- a pass rusher somewhere, and I think they already have him.
1: Yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are interesting because they've got, you know, a kind of a rising player in Karloftis who had ten and a half sacks, a who had a good season. He wasn't there in the in the in the Super Bowl though. That Spagnolo's pressure there kind of gives, I think, Jones more of the help he needs than maybe some of those guys do. So that's that's one spot where, you know, if if the Colts are in these games, we're having a better secondary you can maybe get some one-on-ones for buckner is if you're bringing pressure from somewhere else um somewhere that they're not expecting it i think that 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 might be possible i i I agree i think buckner can be that guy um he's he's one of the top four or five over the last however many years he's one of the top four or five defensive tackles uh in the nfl especially as a pass rusher he the pass rush does need to be a little better um overall uh and and the other thing is just you know i keep thinking like you know kind of going back to what i just said like the Colts secondary wasn't capable necessarily of being consistent at playing either style last year they they had too many busts when they were in zone that's that's kind of a another one the 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 other one for me this is this is going to be my most controversial one this is the one that's 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 uh uh tight um I think I think the last play of the Super Bowl um, tells you that maybe Shane Steichen took a little bit too much heat for the fourth down call. Nicole Hardman's not the guy you want to have the ball in his hands in a key situation. The, the Chiefs didn't even want him on their team <laughs> until halfway through the year when they didn't have anybody else. You know, like he he was a Jet at the start of the season. He's been largely a disappointment. I know he's I know he had, his draft position was high, but his his production in the NFL is more like a late round pick or. An undrafted free agent he's not a guy that you you want necessarily in that situation there, there's a lot of guys down in history who've made really really big plays um in the nfl in huge moments in the nfl who are unheralded guys and you know it was the right play because hardman was wide open um i at the time i think we talked about this at the time I thought that the worst part of it was the pass. I still think the worst part of it is the pass, and I I just think maybe Steichen took took a little bit too much heat for having Goodson in that in that spot, Um, because some sometimes those guys have to make plays for you. You know, there was a they tried to go for a touchdown earlier, and it was Warner on on their their one big star Kelsey, Um, and he didn't really have a chance to make a play on the football. So, you know, it's yeah. I think I. I said at the time, I think I said on the initial podcast, it's really hard for me to kill somebody when a player's open. Um, Goodson was open, like Hardman was open. Now, Minshew isn't Mahomes, but that was a pretty easy throw. Like Ultimately, I think, I think I'm still where I was at the start of it, which is your quarterback's got to make a better throw. I don't necessarily know that that means that the play call is the problem.
0: Yeah, I hear you. It's certainly about you know any any time a team goes all the way, there's going to be guys who stepped stepped up and did some things that uh, were not the expected guys, not the guys getting all the attention. That's what eventually has to happen uh, a couple times. Um, I I hadn't really related it to the Steichen fourth down call. I personally I still see some differences. I think he made the big one is uh, the play call was to have Gardner Minshew throw the pass. So. Um, I think there was the error in there. It was you're relying on two guys to make a play that they haven't made before rather than one guy. Um, I think with McCall Hardman is that like that was his 14th playoff game. He's caught 165 passes from Mahomes. So I still think there was some bit of connection and experience and know-how in a veteran player, even if he's not a particularly good veteran player, that wasn't there in a running back they signed and practice two days to try and be a receiving running back in that game so i still have issues with the fourth down call but um but i i do hear you about you know especially like uh i think that's kind of shows us the patrick mahomes effect too is that he can uh he gives a little bit more confidence to guys around him like that because the ball's going to be there The, the the right read's going to be made patrick mahomes has made incredible adjustments i thought to his game just to to kind of become a little bit more cerebral, less of that hero ball play extender. He's become more of that guy winning pre-snap and knowing what you're not going to cover. Uh, and, um, and I think that gives confidence to guys who aren't maybe all that great, like McCall Hardman. We saw uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling make plays this postseason two, and he had a really tough season and he's, he's had a lot of drops throughout his career, but he came through with some in the playoffs. I think that confidence eventually builds when you have a guy like Mahomes um I guess it, it didn't quite work for the Colts with their Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, but I think when they get Anthony Richardson back out there, the hope is that eventually he's he can instill that same confidence. And down the road, they are gonna have to count on somebody to catch a ball who's not, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. uh or Josh Downs probably. Um and and yeah, you, you gotta have them come through eventually. And and that's and you're right, though, Steichens job is to scheme guys open the same way that Andy Reid's is. So The design of it getting a guy open was – you know, I I always thought that made sense. It's just the connection that they asked for was not Mahomes and a guy that he's played with for a while. It was um, Pro Bowl quarterback Carter Minshew and and Tyler Goodson. Um, But to kind of expand on mine that's, I guess, a little bit related to that, um, I'm going to go with uh, I think you need a guy who can truly eat at tight end, a dominant tight end. Uh, The final four tight ends this year were – George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta. In Sam Laporta as a rookie, but even with that, all four of those guys have had at least one season of 800 yards and 10 plus touchdowns. The Colts last season, their tight end group in total, they cracked 800 yards, but they did not get to. I don't think they got to 10 touchdowns, but that's as a group. And like, I thought Shane Sacken showed, you know, he, he he made do with what he had really well, and they had plays where they had. Uh, they they schemed you know Cox opener they got the occasional you know league play down the field to Kyle Granson. they I thought they started to use uh will Mallory pretty well but this kind of plays into what we were just talking about those do or die moments I think that those are the guys that you really want to have on your side not only for the plays they can make like Travis Kelsey did uh you know just to, in, to get it to overtime with that that big play against uh when he kind of beat Fred Warner off the line and ran up uh, and set up the field goal. But it's also the fact that they're out there. It's the fact that like you can bring some of these guys out and they blur the lines in in personnel between, you know, 11 personnel versus 12 versus 13. These are guys that can kind of double these, all the four of these guys are basically receivers who play the tight end position. Um, It's an added bonus. I think when you have a guy like George Kittle, who's such a dominant run blocker that just makes it that much harder But I think what's more important than maybe being a great run blocker is just being a dominant receiver at that position. And then when you have a talented play designer, they found ways to kind of at times hide them in the run game. I thought the Lions did a great job with that with Sam Laporta, Travis Kelsey, you know, he's probably an average blocker, but not, not a huge, you know, he kind of can pick his spots. He's not going to just line up on a defensive end and, and, and mow him down, but, uh, but pretty much they can dictate the personnel groupings that are out there. And then those guys are too hard to cover for linebackers, uh, you know, you know, and a lot of safeties. And so that's the kind of guy I think they need to get for this offense. You can talk yourself into the potential of so much in this offense from, you know, they just signed Jonathan Taylor. We talked about Anthony Richardson, the Josh Downs connections building. We would think that they're going to bring back Michael Pittman Jr. At least they should maybe Alec Pierce taps into that downfield speed. Uh, but, the thing that feels very missing right now is a reliable dude at tight end. And Jelani Woods has that body type. He has that athleticism. Uh, but and, and maybe this is the year it breaks through for him, and, and we, we we're having more of a conversation like this about him. That's the hope. Uh, but after he missed a whole year with hamstring injuries, I think they have to at least be open-minded to any kind of swing that's out there that can get them something that feels more uh, available, more – ready to go to plug into this offense right now. Cause you give it, if you give Shane second, a guy like even like a Sam Laporta, who is not a high draft pick, you know, and it was a rookie this year, even to give him a mismatch player like that, who had almost 900 yards and 10 touchdowns for the lions. And you let him run, you know, RPO concepts, you let him uh, dictate when he, when you can read that it's man coverage, you, you let him hide him between you know 12 personnel sets. Some of the trick plays, I think that could really unleash something crazy impressive in this offense and it would give them also players that in those shorter range of the field who are not just Josh Downs who can convert those like real short depth of target got to have it type plays like a fourth and one so I think like tight end needs I don't know that we've uh, tight ends a position I think we should talk a lot lot more about with this Colts team and where they need to try and add and what kind of swing they need to take and so who knows maybe they get to the draft and Brock Bowers is a guy that they can have some kind of shot at. Maybe even at, like in my offseason plan I hinted at them trading up to get him. I think he's one of the – this is one of those rare times of trading up for a non-quarterback I think could make sense because I think the playoffs are proving just how much of an upside the, these kind of tight ends have at this level of football.
1: Yeah, somebody asked somebody asked us a while back, like maybe a month ago or something, like who our draft crushes were. I don't have like a good off-the-radar one. Um, it's probably Bowers. It's probably been Bowers, um, just in general over the course of the, the entire, just this class coming out. Like, it's just thinking about like players that, cause usually for me, that's like a player that like I turned on in a game on Saturday and was like, man, I'm really excited to watch this guy play. Ba- Bowers is that guy. It's not, it's not fun. Cause that's every Colts fans, uh, draft crush this year. Um, so it's not, it's not as fun or off the wall as, as maybe, that, that pick has been for me in the past. Um, it's it's He's definitely possible. I, I think there's a, a, a way that a bunch of quarterbacks and receivers and tackles go off the board and he falls. Um, I, you always think about, like, you always think about, like, you've got this young player, like, in terms of Woods, like, you've got this young player who um, you think can be this guy. But realistically, you can't really... Like we've killed Ballard for um, relying too much on that kind of stuff in the past, and I don't think that was necessarily wrong. I think uh, you know. I think um, I think you you can't necessarily count on stuff you haven't seen yet. Um, and if you have a guy like Bowers who you feel like is is really going to be that guy right away from the start, then you know you just figure out where Woods goes. Like. Yep. If if he turns out to be a player, I'm sure I'm sure uh, Shane Steichen would have all kinds of fun drawing up two tight end sets um, and taking advantage of both of those guys' skill sets. You know, Uh, the the reason that teams do don't do that very often has less to do with uh, the fact that it's not a good way to run your offense than it has to do with the fact that it's really hard to find good tight ends um, consistently. So, I yeah it, they, they've got a log jam in terms of playing time a little bit um but also that shouldn't stop you from trying to get better at the position and and yeah i i think i i think i agree with the 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 difference making that a tight end can do especially in this offense before this season you know shane Steichen's history is one with you know tight ends playing a very significant role in their offenses In his offenses you know that he had goddard in philadelphia um in in los angeles when he was the chargers uh that one year oh i'm gonna why is it what am i blanking on this right now um oh henry had 60 catches oh yeah you know uh so there's there's a lot of history there's a lot of history here with, with Steichen having, you know, good production from the tight end, that being the number two or or number three target on the team. Um I get it. Like I guess I guess that's that's the that's the that's that's where we're headed with this this little piece of the podcast is. Uh yes, Colts fans, I've seen that all of you want Brock Bowers. And yes, I understand you.
0: <laughs> I don't have any yeah. I don't have any wet
1: blanket of reason on that. Like, I totally get it.
0: (laughs) No, I don't either. I think the knock, if there's a knock on Brock Bowers, it's that he also, like some of the guys I mentioned, is not a dominant run blocker. He's not a guy I would line up on defensive end and ask him to drive him off the field. Uh, But that's not the style of offense that the Colts are going to play. That's not the style of tight end that has to win right now. Um, That's where, like, there's been some mock drafts that have him going to the Chargers with Jim Harbaugh, but the way Jim Harbaugh teams like to play is so power-run centric that I think that is more important in that kind of an offense. Um, I, You know, Brock Myers looks to me a lot like kind of a Travis Kelsey kind of blocking tight end in terms of like if you can get him on linebackers and safeties or you can get him kind of dragging across the formation on the move blocking a guy. He can be quite effective. And I think good play callers will find a way uh, to make that happen. And so Bowers, you know, he's – you know, he he is as intriguing as a guy – a tight end has come out since, like, Kyle Pitts. And uh, Kyle Pitts had a little bit more, you know, just that explosive play. Uh, but Brock Bowers, I think, has been more consistent. He's led Georgian receiving three straight years. And that's a guy that, you know, a, opposing defenses know that's who they're going to. It's, it's, that's the type of thing you're looking for, that guy that produces kind of no matter – the attention. And if you have one of those at tight end and you have one of those at wide receiver and Michael Pittman jr. I and mean, there's only so many resources teams can put to try and defend these different guys. Um, so it will be interesting to see if they can get Brock Bowers. Cause like what's different is you, you left out with the real dream for Colts fans is the one that's not realistic. I think, which is Marvin Harrison jr. Um, I totally get that one, but like I'll be shocked if he doesn't go number four overall. And I just don't think a team's going to trade down from a spot where they could take him unless it's just such a crazy over-the-top offer they can't possibly pass up a way overpay. But like every team needs a go-to dominant wide receiver for their quarterback, whether he's young, old, on the roster, not on the roster. I I just think they're going to go for Marvin Harrison. What's a little different for Brock Bowers is just tight ends don't go quite as high in the draft. They can slide a little bit. It's rare to see one go in the top ten uh most of them aren't quite ready uh brock bowers i think will be an exception i don't think he's going to fall to 15 but like he could fall to like nine to the bears who've traded down 11 to the vikings who've traded down uh you know you could make a trade up that would involve either like next year's second or maybe two third round picks that's kind of the idea i've thrown out there that, that maybe that could could get them if that's what the cost is if it's that or, or don't get brock bowers I think I'd pay that price because this Colts team doesn't have that many needs, especially in offense like guys that at least positions where you're not invested in the player and believing he can be out there. And so, yeah, that's a swing I think makes a lot of sense if they have a shot at it.
1: I have, I have one little bonus one. Um, and this is from, this is from the Super Bowl, but the Mahomes' legs in the second half of that game, especially in overtime, they had that fourth and one. They run the triple option, basically, like the the modern triple option. Man, is that nice to have because that was a team that came in thinking they were going to be able to run. They they really couldn't. The Niners did a much better job than they'd done against the run most of the season, Um, at least with their traditional running back plays. Mahomes got it back for them and made some big plays with his feet um, you saw how far Jackson got the the Ravens making plays with his feet. Um, it, it's a nice piece to have in critical situations, in short yardage, in big games. It's a really nice piece to have, to have a quarterback who can run. Obviously, the Colts have that, um, but you can see why why so many teams have gone towards that type of style of quarterback lately.
0: Yeah, and even Brock Purdy, that's a big part of his story of how they got to the Super Bowl. Was big plays with his legs against the Packers and the Lions at times when the yeah. Niners' offense was sluggish. And then what the Chiefs did is they spied him, which is like a sign of respect to devote resources that way. It, the Chiefs made that work. Uh, that's an elite, elite defense. But if you're if that's what the, the Colts are doing to teams, where they're making someone designate a spy, number one, I think Anthony Richardson can win some of those matchups anyway. Uh, you have to have a pretty athletic player to spy him, but also it's just the way that that changes the math. Of if you're going to spy there, it's fewer resources on Michael Pittman Jr., um, and that's where a guy like adding a real tight end, these, you know, Josh Downs. There's different ways that 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 ends up playing out. But yeah, it's 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 not it's not often anymore that like the true pocket passer is winning. We've had a lot of conversations about that. There's you know Tom Brady had his his year with the Bucks. Uh, Matthew Stafford had his year with the Rams, uh, but it's it's much harder to do it that way and 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 be sustainable because those those guys end up getting hurt. Uh, you know, we we talk a lot about like the running quarterbacks getting hurt. That that is a thing, but also guys who don't have that mobility to escape the big hits in the pocket, uh, they run that risk too. Um, so, I guess the next one I'll throw out there is sort of a bonus one too because it's not quite as as grandiose as the others, but like you got to try a kicker. (laughs) You got to really not just have, at least like make your swing at kicker. Um, Because, you know, we saw Harrison Bucker, you know, he went 11-11 on playoff field goals this year, 2-2 of from 50 plus. He's become one of the, one of the superstars. Edged out Justin Tucker in the AFC to get there. In the NFC, you had two kickers who were, came into that game struggling and then struggled within it. Jake Moody missed a field goal in the NFC title game, but I think that played into why uh, the Lions couldn't take the points on two fourth downs is they they had Michael Badgley. We know about his his range issues um, dating back to here. And so then the 49ers made it through after stopping, you know, stopping those fourth down plays. And I have people bring up, well, Jake Moody made two huge kicks in the Super Bowl um, despite his rookie struggles. That's true. But they went out and spent a third round pick on Jake Moody. Like, it wasn't like Jake Moody doesn't have any capabilities and just closed his eyes and got lucky for two kicks in the Super Bowl. Like, this is a guy who, in warmups, was drilling really deep kicks. I don't know. It, he seemed to find it in that Super Bowl a little bit more outside of that, that blocked extra point. But, like, 49ers did not have many draft picks left after that haul they gave up for Trey Lance. And they spent one of the top picks they have on Jake Moody. Uh, to to have a kicker who has that that kind of distance, that kind of at least that upside, and then they you know they've had to deal with ups and downs, but there's still the ups in there. Uh, we saw up until last season the Colts were kind of playing it like the Lions did, where they had a coach who was willing to go for it on fourth down kicker. They just didn't uh, you know I know they invested in the in the draft capital at the time with Rodrigo Blankenship, but it went on long enough to where I don't think you could believe uh, in his distance very much. They just didn't have a distance kicker. Um, and then he went out and signed one, at Matt Gay. So uh, that's another example. Most of the things I think they need, they have gone out and gotten uh, so far. Like like kick like Matt Gay, who's won uh, you know won a Super Bowl with the Rams, has made some big kicks in the playoffs, uh, made them outdoors. Like it just really helps to have that. It's just you. It's one of those positions that like I, I, I think about this like with the Lions. So they were building out their team, and they're trying to they built such a gorgeous roster. Uh, But, you know, they were looking to make the leap to a playoff team from a 9-8 and team. And so they went after Michael Bashley because their coach, Dan Campbell, goes for it a lot on fourth down. And, you know, they're an indoor team. Like, it just didn't feel like that big of an investment. The playoffs always bring out your weaknesses. It's always like where you end up paying for what you don't have at certain spots. And kicker became the story for them is is their unwillingness to use it, um, you know, and not getting those fourth down plays. That's a spot, at least for Coldstone. I don't think we'll have to worry about. It doesn't mean Matt Gay can't miss the kick, but it's not going to be like they're not going to go down because they nailed in the kicker spot, which I think was the case up until uh, last season.
1: Yeah, and actually, they didn't invest any draft capital in Rodrigo Blankenship. He's an undrafted free agent. So that's right. Um, yeah, they they had sort of ignored it. I, one one other quick one uh, that f- the the Niners went for a fourth and three ish. Uh, When they could have kicked a field goal to tie. Is that right? Um, I remember that. I'm going to find the play. I'm going to find the play.
0: Uh, Oh, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah.
1: Yes. They went for fourth and three. They went for fourth and three trailing 13 to 10 at the Kansas City 15 with 1246 left to go in the fourth quarter. And yeah. Purdy hit Kittle on a crossing route for four yards and a first down. They scored a touchdown, take the lead. Shortly after that, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, the thing that I was yelling <laughs> in the in the living room where I was watching the game was, "That's exactly what you all killed Dan Campbell for for a week." It's the same call. It's the exact same call, basically. Uh, and no one's going to talk about this one because it it uh, because it worked. Yeah. Same thing. The exact same call. There's like they, they had like people would say, take the points, just take the tie. Um, you got to have the tie there. Uh, the Niners got themselves a lead by going for it. It's 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 the proliferation of results based versus um, versus process based thinking in terms of in terms of how you do it. Uh, and, and you could see it with uh, you could see it with the way there was some some blowback on Shanahan for taking the ball first. Now, I will say this. I think I would rather play defense first in overtime for the same reason the Chiefs wanted to play defense first in overtime. You, you know, then when you get the ball, you know what you need. And the Chiefs said, I think I saw that Kelsey said that their plan was if the Niners scored a touchdown and the Chiefs scored a touchdown to match, they were going for two. Yep. Um, I think if you're good, like, I think that's how I would play it. I think I would take, I would want to know what I was going to get. So fourth down was easy on my drive and uh and then and i would play the second possession as if the third possession wasn't going to happen i have to win here or it's over um but all of the numbers and stuff that have come out since that decision about the niners taking the ball first because shanahan said they wanted the third position third possession essentially essentially Number one, we, it, it hasn't really happened before, so there's no like hard numbers on how it's worked out over time. But essentially, when they played it out in simulations, which is the best statistical analysis they can come, it's as close to a 50-50 decision as possible, And and Shanahan was getting killed for it. Like, the third possession is compelling if you kick the field goal there and the chiefs face like a fourth and 20 or fourth and 15 at the Kansas city or at the, at the San Francisco 20 yard line, and they're probably going to kick that to tie just because fourth and 20 or fourth and 15 is so hard to get. And then you have the chance to end the game with the win. Like I totally get that reasoning. Now, would I, would I want to play defense first? Yes, because I want to know what I have to get, but it's just, it's not as cut and dry. It's just like, Whenever these games go one way or the other, we, we the, the talk shows have to kill somebody for something. And that's probably not the best way to look at these situations.
0: Yeah, that's it, it is pretty tough. It's nuanced. I think it's all case by case, too. I think what doesn't help Shanahan in this ca- scenario was all the 49ers players who said they didn't know what the rules were. So they didn't, they didn't know any strategy. There was no... Um, that wasn't factoring into their mind at all in that. So, like some of them didn't know that the uh, that the clock can run out and that you can still play. So, like that I think that was the part that is shining poorly on them. But why I thought the 49ers should have uh, should have played defense first was also the fact that it's Mahomes on the other side. So, the only scenario where they would get a third possession, I think, would be if either both teams didn't score, which seems not likely, or if both teams kicked a field goal, which means you would have had to – probably had to sack Mahomes or something to get it to, like you said, a fourth and 15. Because if the 49ers scored a touchdown, that's when the Chiefs were going to go for two. And so I guess you could say, you know, the advantage is you go down, you score a touchdown, you make them drive the length of the field score and get the two. That's true. I mean, that's that's the task for Patrick Mahomes. It's not easy either way, but it is like both teams faced a fourth and medium to short in that overtime, but one of them knew what they had to do with it, and the other one, you know, settled for the field goal. So, uh, but yeah, it's either way. Like,
1: if, well, they'd the done way, like- if they done it
0: the other way around, then he would have gotten killed had it not worked, and they played defense first. And, you know, Mahomes drove down and scored, and then they – then they had to press or whatever it was. Like it it is results based all the way.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's just kind of the way it works. Uh we'll we'll stop here for the moment. We've got the all-star game this weekend. Um, and then we're we're actually not that far away from the combine. Combine's about two weeks away. Um yeah, just just about two Congrats. weeks away. We're taping. We're taping this on Wednesday. The combine is just about two weeks away. Um that'll be our first chance to talk to the Colts and and see what they think. It's kind of weird because there hasn't been as much there hasn't been a whole lot that's changed since then. In years past, we've had quarterback releases or trades or stuff like that. Um to, to discuss. So it's gonna be a little bit different than that. But uh we'll we'll have some stuff coming here. It's a very quiet part of the NFL's offseason, but it's gonna get start to heat up here real fast. So for the Colts Cover 2 podcast, I'm Jolie Erickson and Nate Atkins. These have been our takeaways from the playoffs, and we will see what the Colts do this offseason in order to get themselves there next year.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh... –